Dr. Fauci spent the years leading up to the coronavirus outbreak colluding with Chinese communists on gain-of-function research to make naturally occurring viruses more dangerous. Now, before you censor me, there's been a lot of censorship. Even, even in yesterday's show, there was a little bit of censorship from some big tech people. I just want you to know I am not merely stating my own hypothesis or opinion. Actually, I'm just quoting Dr. Fauci, who made a Freudian slip and admitted to conspiring with the commies. SARS uh, CoV 1 clearly originated in China, and we were fortunate to escape a major pandemic. So we really had to learn a lot more about the viruses that were there, about whether or not people were getting infected with bad viruses. So in a very minor collaboration as part of a subcontract of a grant, we had a collaboration with some Chinese, com- uh, Chinese uh, scientists. And, and what he conflated that is that therefore we were involved in creating the virus, which is the most ridiculous, majestic leap I've ever heard of. The workers of the world must unite and uh, throw off our bonds of oppression and seize the means of production because we're all commun... I mean, scientists. Yeah, that's the ticket. Uh, that is a Freudian slip. That is uh, when you say one thing, but you mean your mother. And Dr. Fauci's slip is perfectly natural. This is the point that we've been making for years and that Dr. Fauci has been denying for years In China, the scientists are communists because the public health officials work for the communist party. Public health, public health is by definition always political. Incredibly, it seems the only difference between the Chinese eggheads and our own, their public health officials and ours, is that the Chinese communists are more honest about it. I'm Michael Knowles and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Joe2648, who says, if we can extend 15 days to slow the spread into two years, we surely can extend Christmas for 12 days. I totally agree with that. It is still Christmas. Christmas is 12 days long, my friends. It goes on until Epiphany on Thursday. So Merry Christmas. Let's extend Christmas and let's shrink the time that we need to slow the spread. All right, let's, this is a wonderful Christmas season. It's a time to be nice and comfy and grateful and cozy. One great way to stay cozy would be to get in your bowl and branch sheets. No one wants to cut corners on what's important and few things matter more than a good night's rest. Bowl and branches signature sheets feel so soft and light you will forget that you are not actually sleeping on a cloud. No, you're just sleeping on sheets. They just happen to be the best sheets in the world. I really love them. I've had the opportunity to sleep on really fancy sheets when I go to fancy hotels, which has happened two or three times in my life at least, and it's really great. And you think, why can't I do this every single night? Well, you can with Bowl and Branch. They're a bestseller for a reason. Buttery soft, lightweight, organic cotton in a classic sateen weave for sheets that get softer and softer over time. Not too hot, not too cool. I got these as a wedding present for myself. I have given these to friends and family. They're just absolutely wonderful. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code MICHAEL 
M-I-C-H-A-E-L at checkout. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L and Branch.com, promo code Michael, B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com, promo code Michael. This is not the bombshell that Dr. Fauci would seem to be dropping here. The fact that in China, the public health officials are communists. They are. And he's, he's trying to then obscure that fact. And he says, no, I'm just talking about the scientists. No, but of course they are. They are. If you're working for the government, if you are, for instance, like Dr. Fauci, taking a paycheck from the government for decade upon decade throughout seven presidential administrations, if you're the highest paid official in the federal government, you are by definition, a politician. So when Dr. Fauci says, I don't do politics, I've never had any political role, I'm just a scientist, that's bogus. It's in the very nature of the job, that's not possible. And so at least, at least the Chicoms say what you will about the Chicoms, but at least they're kind of honest about it. They say, yes, you, you work for us. <laughs> you are answerable to us, the premier, the dictator, the Chinese communist party. Whereas here, our public health officials pretend that they're merely following the science when of course they are advancing a political agenda. Speaking about differences between totalitarian countries and our wonderful democracy where everything is free and open and transparent. A sitting member of Congress has just been deplatformed, kicked out of the public square by a couple of billionaire big tech oligarchs because they don't like what she has to say. Uh, that would be Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene first had her Twitter account suspended permanently and then had her Facebook account taken away for, quote, repeated violations of the COVID-19 misinformation policy. Now, if spreading misinformation about COVID-19 is the sort of offense that gets you kicked out of the public square, then Dr. Fauci should be banished, not just to a far-flung island in the middle of the Pacific, he should be banished to Mars. He is the biggest super spreader of misinformation about coronavirus that there is, but it's not just him. It's CNN and MSNBC. It's the director of the CDC. It's the head of the World Health Organization. It's Joe Biden. It's all these other people who told us things about the virus and the vaccines and the masks that they themselves admitted later on were not true. And we went through all of those yesterday. And then apparently on a couple of the big tech platforms, uh, we, we were censored which is very unfortunate. We'll get, we'll get to more on censorship in a little bit. But, but if, if there were an objective standard, then Marjorie Taylor Greene should not be the one being kicked off. It should be, it should be Fauci and Don Lemon and Kamala Harris and, and all the rest of the liberal establishmentarians. Now, some conservatives are not defending Marjorie Taylor Greene. And this really bothers me. This really, really bugs me. Because what these conservatives are doing is they're saying that, look, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's, she's pretty kooky. She's pretty out there. She's said things on social media that I don't agree with and that are really outlandish and about space lasers. And I can't, I don't let me in with her. No, let's throw her over the side of the boat and let's just, come on, I don't want to be lumped in with her. Let's grant all it. Let's say that she said the craziest, kookiest things in the world on, on social media. She is still much more trustworthy than the people who run Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> and on things that actually matter, I'm not talking about space lasers, I'm talking about how our political system works. On things that actually matter, she is infinitely more trustworthy than the people who run Twitter and Facebook, the, the very people who are subverting our self-government and who are 
cutting off the people's duly elected representatives from having speech, which is the way we govern ourselves in a republic. Okay, don't, goodness gracious, don't go squishy here, folks. Do not allow your desire to seem above it all, to seem very erudite, to seem like a conservative, but not, not one of those conservatives. I'm a really reasonable one. I'm, uh, do not let your desire to be invited to fancy cocktail parties and not to be looked on as a kook at some fancy institutions. Do not uh, let that lead you to a place where you're choosing the side of the oligarch billionaire, actual conspiracy theorists who spread lies and conspiracy theories about COVID specifically, to take their side over the side of someone who is largely on your own side. In the Republican Party, in the conservative movement, whose heart is generally in the right place, who's generally fighting for the right sort of things, don't pick the side of the evil, rotten, terrible... (laughs) leftist, revolutionary people who want to silence you and destroy your way of life. Don't pick their side over Marjorie Greene just because she said some eccentric things before. Okay. This is a real choice. What kind, what kind of conservative do you want to be? Assuming you're a conservative. I know that there are a number of liberals and even leftists who listen to this show and we, we love you. We thank, we appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully we'll pull you over to our side, but if you are a conservative, what kind do you want to be? Do you want to be the kind who boldly stands for what you stand for? Or do you want to be the kind that sucks up to the liberal establishment and tries to get an MSNBC gig? Because then, then that's fine, but then you got to follow Liz Cheney. Then you got to follow Adam Kinzinger. Liz Cheney just came out. She, always, she hadn't been on TV in a while. She needed a little more attention. So Liz Cheney came out. She said the GOP needs to choose between the Constitution, and Donald Trump. I think that the, uh, the American people, again, and particularly the Republican Party, you know, we as Republicans have a choice to make. I am a conservative Republican. I believe strongly in uh, the policies of low taxes and limited government and right. a strong national defense. I think the country needs a strong Republican Party going forward. But our party has to choose. We can either uh, be loyal to Donald Trump or we can be loyal to the Constitution, but we cannot be both. And uh, right now, uh, there are far too many Republicans who are trying to uh, enable the former president, embrace the former president, look the other way and hope that the former president goes away, trying to obstruct the activities of this committee. Uh, But we won't be deterred. Donald Trump is going to have been dead for 30 years, and this frivolous woman is still going to be talking about how Donald Trump is the He's going to come back from the grave. He's going to dig himself up, and he's going to storm the Capitol, and he's a threat to the constant. We need to vote for Joe Biden, the man who's uh, pushing uh, unconstitutional nationwide vaccine mandates through OSHA. We need to vote for Joe Biden, the man pushing abortion on demand without apology, slaughtering a million babies a year. We need to vote for Joe Biden, the man who's flagrantly disrespecting our, our national borders and flooding the country with foreign nationals. We need to vote for Joe Biden in order to stand with the Constitution. Not that mean old Donald Trump, who, what did he do? What did he do that was so bad? What, he sent some tweets and he, some people went to the Capitol and he told them to go home and, huh, what what was that? What is saddest about Liz Cheney is not just the inanity, although the babble that she regularly spouts is very inane. It's how one note it is. It's so monotone. Lady, get some new material. Goodness, it's been months of this. Come on, get some, 
Come go back to the drawing board. Give me something. Give me some other reason to tune into MSNBC or, or CNN. If you want to support America, of course, you got you to vote for the right people. You got to support the right causes. And you've got to support American ranchers, if you ask me. That's why I would recommend you check out Good Ranchers. I don't know about you, but I hate being lied to. I do, and I really hate when that happens with my food. It turns out that 85% of the grass-fed beef in the United States is not from the United States. It's imported from overseas. So why, do they, why will they say product of USA, as they often label this beef, when these, these products are minimally processed here? Don't buy cheap imported beef that lacks true flavor. Go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to cut through the misinformation and get 100% American beef delivered to your door today. Good Ranchers only sells beef that is born, raised, and harvested right here in the good old U.S. of A. They're 100% American and steakhouse quality. All their steaks are USDA prime and choice graded, means that the steakhouse can come to you in a Good Ranchers box of meat. Ribeyes, T-Bones, Gourmet Burgers. The burgers are amazing. Save 30 bucks today with my code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S at checkout. That's 30 bucks off any box. Biggest discount they've ever offered. Go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles today to save big on your new favorite steak. They are the exclusive meat company of the Daily Wire for good reason. They know great meat. They have a great cause supporting American farms and feeding American families. Take your grilling and steak nights to a whole new level with Good Ranchers. GoodRanchers.com slash Knowles. Save 30 bucks and make 2022 your most flavorful year yet. Speaking of tired material and stabbing friends in the back, Patton Oswalt decided to spend his new year and the following days uh, stabbing his friend of many decades, Dave Chappelle, in the back because Dave Chappelle did him a favor and then Patton Oswalt got pushback from the liberal mob. And so Patton Oswalt decided to try to throw his friend, his much more talented and famous friend over the, over the side of the boat. This was what started it all off was one Instagram post from Patton Oswalt. This was uh, New, New Year's Day, I think, or you know, I think it was New Year's Day. It was finished my set at Macahall and got a text from Dave Chappelle. Come over to the arena. He's performing in next door and do a guest set. Why not? I wave goodbye to this hell year with a genius I started comedy with 34 years ago. He works in arena like he's talking to one person and charming their skin off. Anyway, I ended the year with a real friend and a deep laugh. Can't ask for much more. And there's that picture of Dave Chappelle and Pat Oswalt. That's really nice. That's really nice. You know, a nice grateful post from Pat Oswalt and, I, and Dave Chappelle did his friend a favor. And that, that's a lovely way to spend the new year. Except, here's the problem. Dave Chappelle sort of, kind of, like once or twice contradicted the leftist orthodoxy. And Pat Oswalt is a leftist coward. Two issues here. He's a leftist. So he does push left-wing ideas. And he's a coward before the mob. And so, right away, he publishes this essay... <laughs> on Instagram of him really thoughtfully sitting at a pen and paper, writing his public apology to the mob. He says, I saw a friend I hadn't seen in a long time this New Year's Eve. We've known each other since we're teens. He's a fellow comedian, the funniest I've ever met. I wanted to post a pic and an Instagram story about it, so I did. That friend is Dave Chappelle. 34 years we've been friends. He's refocused and refined ideas. A lot of us took as settled about his race and history and life on planet Earth and spun them around with a phrase or punchline. 
We've done bad and good gigs, open mics and TV tapings, but we also 100% disagree about transgender rights and representation. So there it is. There it is, right? He's, he's justifying seeing a friend of 34 years. He's saying, look, if we'd only been friends for 10 years, maybe I wouldn't have said hello, but it was 34 years. I had to, I had to go over. I don't even, I don't even really like the guy. And he's he's a good comedian, right? He's funny. And, oh, but I had to, and, and, but I'm sorry, but we disagree and he's a bigot and he's a transphobe and he's a bad person. And I'm a good person. We 100% disagree about transgender rights and representation. I support trans people's rights, anyone's rights to live safely in the world as their fullest selves. For all the things he's helped me evolve on, I'll always disagree with where he stands now on transgender issues. But I also don't believe a seeker like him has done evolving, learning. So it's, hey, look, my friend Dave, who I have to be nice to because we've been friends for 34 years, he's evil. He's evil. He's totally evil. I'm a good person. Uh, But look, he's not 100% evil. He's still got a little glimmer of potential goodness in him. So I'm like, basically, I'm just trying to help him be a good person. And you should really, you should be grateful to me because I'm trying to help this evil man reform. Blah, blah, blah. He goes on. He, he, He just goes on and babbles a little bit more. This is really pathetic and, and, and mean and cruel and rude and all these awful things to do to your, and disloyal and all these, a t- really terrible way to treat your friend. It's also dishonest because Patton Oswalt has for a long time made jokes about transvestitism and sexually confused people. For instance. You said this is for like families and kids? Because this sounds really grim and creepy. Well, you didn't let me finish because we're also going to have men in bright clothing and makeup. Up, oh, time out. You mean like like transvestites, right? <laughs> well, technically, yes, but they're going to keep going so that they're clowns. You realize a clown is just a transvestite that doesn't stop. <laughs> like, if you, like if, you, if you saw a guy in lipstick and eyeshadow, you'd be like, Timmy, leave him alone. That's his own thing. And the guy's like, oh, no, hang on. <laughs> like, oh, Timmy, get, he's a wonderful clown. Get over there. I didn't know you'd use a whole tube of lipstick on one cheek. Please entertain my child. Run at him out of the darkness. He'll love it. So the premise of the joke, it's a funny enough joke. The premise of the joke is that transgender people are really just confused. And the thing that makes them transgender is that they put on a lot of makeup. So if they put on a lot of makeup, but stop at a certain point, then they're called transvestites or transgender. But if they keep going, the logical conclusion of that will be that they're a clown. Furthermore, the other premise of this joke is that if you see a transvestite, it would be natural to try to keep your kid away from that transvestite because the transvestite is obviously a little bit confused on some pretty important matters. And so you just say, hey, Johnny, don't maybe don't go over there. Leave that person alone. Don't talk to that person. Right. But Dave Chappelle's a terrible person because he said that men are not women. This is, this is something about these people, the Patton Oswalt's of the world, the Liz Cheney's of the world, and the people who take their side that is, it, it, it's the insult to the injury. The disloyalty 
would be bad enough. The cowardice would be bad enough. The ignorance and naivete that if you just grovel to the mob, they won't attack you anymore, which just never actually happens. If you just apologize for something that you haven't done wrong, then maybe the mob will, will move on. But it's also the dishonesty. They don't believe this stuff. Patton Oswalt and Dave Chappelle, I seriously doubt, disagree on the transgender stuff. What, what Patton Oswalt just said about transgenderism is way more offensive than anything Dave Chappelle has said. It's, ju- it's just the cowardice. <laughs> it's just the going along to get along. It's ju- Liz Cheney is not a Republican. I know that she's got an R next to her name still, sort of, I guess, although her own state Republican party voted her out. They said, you're no longer in the party. Get out. See a sayonara lady. And what does she say? She says, look, I'm a, I'm a Republican. I'm a, I'm a lifelong conservative Republican. I support, okay, what makes you a conservative, Liz Cheney? She lists it out. She says, I support low taxes, limited government, and a strong national defense. Those are euphemisms, certainly the latter two are euphemisms for uh, letting corporations, generally speaking, woke corporations, do whatever they want. On the one hand, that's the low taxes and the, and the limited government, the deregulation. Let woke oligarchs do whatever they want and bomb the Middle East. So, you know, I'm a good, I'm a conservative Republican. I'm, I am doing what the liberal establishment wants. That's why I'm a conservative Republican. That does not a conservative make, darling. On every crucial issue, whenever it really counts, whenever it's difficult, on a tough vote, Liz Cheney sides with the Democrats. You saw this on the preposterous impeachment of Donald Trump, impeachments of Donald Trump. You see this on the preposterous January 6th committee. January 6th, not only was it not the worst insurrection in American history. Not only has no one involved been charged with insurrection, it wasn't even the worst insurrection of, of that year. The BLM insurrection was way worse, attacked way more federal buildings, killed infinitely more people because the, the Capitol riot didn't, didn't end up killing anyone. It was just the cops who killed one of the Capitol demonstrators. Way more arson, vandalism, theft, robbery. But on those crucial votes, Liz Cheney sides with the Dems. Don't do that. Don't, don't do this with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Don't, I know you might object to a lot of things that Marjorie Taylor Greene says. I'm, I'm sure you do. Who, but whose side are you on? Are you on Liz Cheney's side? <laughs> are you on Patton Oswalt's side? I don't think so, folks. Politics is about alliances and, and teams. And I know we're, we're not supposed to acknowledge that. And we're all supposed to just pretend that we're all atoms floating in the ether but that's not how politics actually works. You do have to come together, usually with people you disagree with on, on some issues to, to actually accomplish something. Speaking of misinformation, Rachel Maddow, my doppelganger, I try not to go after her too much. Uh, you know, I feel a certain kinship to her. Might be an actual kinship. I don't know. We've never taken a DNA test. Rachel Maddow has spread misinformation about the coronavirus. It means that instead of the vaccine being able, excuse me, it means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them. And the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it. And then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were. 
right? Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person, potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug resistant along the way, now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. If we just go fast enough to get the whole population vaccinated. So what she said is not true and it's now been contradicted by the public health authorities. This is a great example because Ms. Maddow and I might bear some passing similarity, okay, some passing resemblance. And yet she says false things and doesn't get censored. I say true things that now even the public health officials admit are true. And I do get censored. Why is that? What's going on here? Why has that been the case for the whole of the lockdown and the pandemic and whatever? And why does that continue to be the case? We'll get to that. Uh, First though, the Daily Wire has led the charge to sue the Biden administration for the vaccine mandates. Now we're taking it all the way up to the Supreme Court. This Friday, the Supreme Court will convene to hear arguments on the legality and constitutionality of the mandate, which means this week is going to be huge in our fight against the mandate. We have over 1 million signatures on the do not comply petition currently. Uh, It's vital that this number increases before Friday. Help us send our message loud and clear. Head to dailywire.com slash do not comply right now. I think you know at this point that the Supreme Court looks at the polls. They look at the news headlines, okay? (laughs) You've seen this in a lot of court cases in recent years. We're counting on you to help us put a stop to this federal overreach. We'll be right back with a lot more. So Rachel Maddow has gone on air and said that the vaccines 100% prevent people from contracting the virus, one, and transmitting the virus, two. 100%. The virus just stops at that person. And that's why if enough people get the vaccine, then the virus will just completely stop. Now, I know that apparently I can be censored and have been censored on YouTube for pointing out that this is not true, which is why I would recommend you go to the audio podcast, the Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google play, wherever you get your audio podcasts, subscribe to the Michael Knowles show there. And you will get the un- completely uncensored. You won't have to deal with YouTube or any of the other big tech censors there, but you don't need to just take my word for it. All of the major public health officials have directly contradicted what Rachel Maddow said. What they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmissions. We need a new new way of doing the vaccine. The level of virus in the nasopharynx of a person who's vaccinated and infected is the same level as the level of virus in the nasopharynx of an unvaccinated person. Reports from our international colleagues, including Israel, suggest increased risk of severe disease amongst those vaccinated early. And if you look at Israel, Mm -hmm. which has always been a month to a month and a half ahead of us, they are seeing a waning of immunity, not only against infection, but against hospitalizations 
and to some extent death, the booster might actually be an essential part of the primary regimen that people should have. So there you have it. Rachel Maddow says one thing. The public health officials directly contradict what she said. In this case, only much later, only long after the fact, but it does happen to be the case that what the public health officials have said in this specific case is true. What Rachel Maddow said was completely wrong. So my question, the Babylon Bee asked this question yesterday. Why is she not being kicked off of Twitter for misinformation? She has spread much more misinformation about COVID than Marjorie Taylor Greene has. Why does Marjorie Taylor Greene get kicked off of social media, but Rachel Maddow does not? Why does this show, which has an extraordinarily good record <laughs> in terms of uh, calling the shots on this virus, why does this show more, I, I hate, you know, I hate to say I told you so, you know, I hate to toot my own horn, probably more accurate than all, almost any other show, if not every single other show <laughs> on, on the coronavirus from day one. How come we get censored, but Rachel Maddow, who's been dead wrong for most of it, she doesn't get censored because I have actually have the answer to that. It is not about what you say. It is about who is saying it. It is, it actually, it is not now, nor has it ever been about what is said about the virus. It is about who does the saying it. This is the issue I've run into with some of the big tech platforms. When new information comes out about the virus, information that some of us intuited early on, but let's say finally the CDC or the FDA or WHO admits it, I'm allowed to play a clip of Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director, or Dr. Fauci, or any of them, saying something. If I then repeat verbatim what they said, I can have my show taken down. Because if what, if what they said and I said contradicts the rules against misinformation. If I, I can play the clip of Dr. Fauci saying something. I can then say word for word what he said in the Dr. Fauci voice, by the way, which is fairly close to how he actually sounds. But if I say it, the show can be taken down because it's not about what is said. It's about who says it. I talked to my friend, Mike Anton about this over Christmas. You know, we, we put some interviews out on the channels over Christmas, one of which was uh, with my friend, Mike Anton. He's at the Claremont Institute. He, he wrote the famous flight 93 essay in the 2016 election. And uh, we were talking about this strange phenomenon of the, the legitimacy of, of what you're allowed to say differing based on who says it. And the example he brought up was the great replacement theory. You might've heard about this. This is the, the left has, is fear-mongering now and scaremongering about the great replacement theory. And they say, you're not allowed to talk about the great replacement theory. Only white supremacist, racist, Nazi people talk about the great replacement theory. And they accuse Tucker of doing this and a, a lot of conservative media personalities and politicians. What is the great replacement theory? The great replacement theory is that the left wants to change the demographics of America to give them an electoral advantage. And they'll do this through mass migration and, and things like that. Here's a quote from Anderson Cooper. Quote, 
The idea that, you know, whites will not be the majority. I mean, that's, it's an exciting transformation of the country. It's an exciting evolution in, you know, progress of our country in many different ways. That's Anderson Cooper, CNN. Uh, Jorge Ramos on Univision says, quote, there's nothing really they can do against this incredible demographic revolution. He's talking about conservatives saying that conservatives rely on white people to win elections. And so there's nothing they can do. This is, they're going to be replaced and then they'll win. Michelle Goldberg writing in the New York Times (laughs) had a headline, quote, we can replace them, (laughs) right? That was the headline. And so I, I, I was talking to Mr. Anton about this. And I said, I don't, they're, they're telling us that they support this thing of the replacement. And sometimes in those exact words. And then if we say what they said, then we're not allowed to say that. Is that, and he said, yes, that's the, the defining feature here. They can say things. You can't say those same things. And you can't even say that they said those things. (laughs) This is what we're seeing with coronavirus. How crazy is this? What world are we living in? Dr. Fauci can say something. I'm not allowed to say that same thing. I'm not even allowed to say that Dr. Fauci said that thing. And it makes perfect sense because the way that the left is looking at politics is not as the right often looks at politics, which is about the free marketplace of ideas and the way to debate these things and, and right has might and, and the truth will win out in the end. And we just need to, you know, have respect the views of, of other people and, and the best ideas are going to win out. No, that's not how they're viewing it. They are viewing politics as they support their friends and they hate their enemies. That's it. And when their friends do something, they're going to support that. And when we, their enemies, do, even if we do, if we say the same thing or do the same thing, they're going to oppose that. And, and that's that. Okay. And those are two fundamentally different ways of looking at politics. But complaining about it isn't going to do anything. I'm never going to stop the rain by complaining <laughs> and, and neither are you. We, I think we just probably need to change our strategy a little bit and recognize that the way our political system actually works is different than what many of us have been duped into believing or duped ourselves into believing. Now, speaking of replacing people, here's an essay from Pink News. I'm sure that's your homepage. I'm sure you all, you chat, you wake up in the morning, dailywire.com, Pink News. And okay, here's the, here's the headline. Protesting trans athletes is not about fairness or safety. It's about transphobia. So, I keep an open mind. Read, read this article. And I think they actually make a really good point. I think they make a really good point. The, the right has made a crusade about women's sports and how unfair it is that men are now competing in women's sports and they're winning the women's sports because men are physically stronger than women. And what Pink News and the transgenderists and the liberals are saying is you don't really care about women's sports. You just oppose transgenderism. And the thing is, they're right. They're right. I don't care about women's sports. I I care in as much as it is unjust that the girls have to compete again, have to like go race against people who are, who are men and therefore much faster than they are or have to, especially, oh my goodness, in some kind of combat sport or wrestling or something. Could you even imagine? Yeah, I, I don't like the injustice of that, but I don't, 
very few people watch the WNBA. So I, I just couldn't possibly care less if some man tries out for the WNBA and wants to be on one of the teams. And I don't care. I'm not going to watch it anyway. And no, no one really cares. You're right. It's not, the issue of transgenderism is not primarily about fairness or safety. The headline's right. It's about reality. Okay. It's the real issue of transgenderism is not that if we make all the bathrooms unisex that, you know, rape is going to sky, there will be an increase in rape, but it's not going to skyrocket. I don't think it's going to become an epidemic. It's, it's the, the issue of transgenderism is not that, you know, women will now lose their natural or human right to win soccer games. I mean, yeah, they won't win the games anymore, but it's not the biggest issue in society. The issue, the issue is that men aren't women. And it's just, the, the issue is that transgenderism is erroneous. It's just, it's false. And so we don't support false things. But the, the reason that conservatives keep trying to frame this as an issue of fairness or safety is because a lot of conservatives, I think, share the same basic worldview as the liberals do. Namely, it's, it's an extremely skeptical worldview that says we can never really know anything about truth or goodness or justice or beauty. And you do you and I'll do me. And one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And it's just extremely skeptical. Well, we can't impose our morality on others. Well, we need to teach students how to think, not what to think. All those kind of platitudes that are ultimately just expressing a radical skepticism that we can never really know anything at all. That the people who say that if we ban drag queen story hour from the library, why the libs might ban us from going to church. Yeah, that's a, as if you can't tell the difference between a pervert twerking for a toddler and going to church on Sunday, right? But that is the kind of radical skepticism that some people on the right share and an extreme individualism. This radical idea of, of rights that this conception of rights that's always expanding, that we have the right to do drugs. We have the right to dress up however we want. We have the right to redefine reality that, that, basically a lot of conservatives share that, I think, with the libs. And so we'll say, well, it's, you see, the, the right of the man to dress up like a woman is infringing now on the right of the girl to win the soccer game. And that, well, I don't think that's going to be really persuasive. I don't. I think the only way that conservatives are really going to push back on the transgenderism issue is if we grow a spine while we're, while we're talking about manipulating our anatomies, we should grow a spine and we should say things that are true and have the confidence of our convictions, which conservatives used to have until recent decades and say, no, men, men simply aren't women. The, the premise of transgenderism is erroneous. Error has no rights. There is no right for a man to pretend to be a woman. There is no way to neatly parse out private life from public life so that you say that the man has the right to pretend to be a woman in his home, but not in public. That's never going to work. That has never worked in any society. We're not just atoms floating in the ether, but we do live together in a, in a society. And so the way that we view ourselves and our relationship to our bodies and the relationship to society in our homes is going to affect the way that we do that in public too. And sorry, Buster, if you're confused and you think that you're a woman, you should get help for that. We should, you know, try to give you the resources to work through these difficulties that you've got, but we're not going to indulge that delusion because it's not because of safety or even fairness, because it's wrong. And we know it's wrong and we know that some things are right and some things are wrong. And that's that. Do, do conservatives have the chutzpah t- to say that? 
if we do, then I think there's a chance, uh, then, I, then I think we, we could win on this issue. Then I think we could reclaim some of our culture. If we don't, if we're going to keep just making these disingenuous arguments about how much we care about women's soccer when we don't really, uh, then I don't think we're going to persuade anybody. This is, this is what the school fight is all about. There, there was a video, just went viral on TikTok, of a preschool, t- a preschool teacher talking about how she is indoctrinating her kids in transgender ideology. There it says, to the parents who refuse to educate their kids on queerness, I'm an openly non-binary trans preschool teacher. I talk to my students about pronouns, transness, gender expression, and sexuality. Ha ha ha, right? You you parents think you're going to keep this away from your kids? Well, no, because I'm going to teach them about it. Now, I, I give the woman or man or non-binary or I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to venture a guess here. I give this individual some credit, at least for the courage of his or her convictions. A lot of conservatives won't, won't say what they need to say, which is we need to ban these ideas from the classroom, right? That's what the parents in Loudoun County and elsewhere are saying. They're saying, we don't, we don't want, you can't, shouldn't teach our kids a bunch of false nonsense about their sex or their race or whatever. And a lot of the conservative elites will say, well, no, we don't, we don't support banning any ideas from the classroom. Why not? If you don't support banning ideas from the classroom, then how do you stop that? How do you stop this lunatic pervert individual from indoctrinating your three-year-old into believing that little Johnny is little Jane? How do you do it? If you're not willing to stand by the courage of your convictions, how do you stop it? Speaking of TikTok lunatics, there's another, (laughs) I I go through these TikTok videos, not only because they're amusing, they are amusing often, but because they're extremely educational and extremely insightful. Like this guy who is dressed up like a woman who says you might oppose transgenderism, but you will respect transgenderism. Let me tell you something about LGBTQ rights, about trans rights. This is only going in one direction. You will respect us. You can be upset. You can be angry. You can think it's unfair. You can feel like we're stealing something from you, but it's still only going in one direction. You will respect us. He's right. He's right. You will, you will respect transgenderism. You will, because if you don't, you'll be punished. So you, and you might not believe it in your heart of hearts and you might still think it's crazy, but you will show public respect for it because the boot of the establishment will come down on your neck if you don't. He's absolutely right. There, the, the lie, the delusion was that these radical ideologies merely seek acceptance just be tolerant, just be inclusive, just be accepting. No, it was never about that. They seek affirmation. They demand affirmation. They have to. Why? Because we live in a society, because we're not just atoms floating in the ether. And so you cannot have a society in which the country is split, radically split, on the question of what is human nature. We have to agree on some things if we're going to have a society. (laughs) And at the very least, you need to agree on what a human being is. And if half the country, I don't think it's quite this much, but let's 
let's say it's the left believes one thing, the right believes the other. If half the country believes that human nature has nothing to do with your body and the other half believes that it does. And, you know, one half believes that men can become women and do, and the other half believes that they can't, you're not going to be able to function. You're not going to be able to speak to one another. You're not going to know what pronouns to use. We currently don't know what pronouns to use. And so you're going to have to resolve that question at the public level. So what's it going to be? And what the liberals will tell you is, look, you might have your personal reservations about transgenderism, but we all need to agree on accepting it at the political level. You might have your personal reservations about abortion, but we all need to agree that we should kill 60 million babies since Roe versus Wade. And it's just a, it's just a trick. It's just a little political sleight of hand that has given them the entire culture. The live and let live language of the left was never real. It was never serious. It was always an instrument toward achieving their ends. Academic freedom, the free marketplace of ideas, live and let live. It was always a lie. Okay. And now the right is befuddled and they'll say, what happened to the tolerant, so much for the tolerant left. What happened to live and let live? What happened to, they never meant it. That's what happened. It was always a lie to trick you into giving up your culture and your standards. (laughs) And now they've got the upper hand and they are doing what they naturally would do, which is enforce their own standards like all societies. So what's, what's the alternative? The New York Times tells us what the alternative is. The New York Times, New York Times, it's just like these wackos on TikTok. Sometimes the New York Times will unwittingly give you the right answer to political problems. Guest essay headline is what happened to Poland? Warsaw. Not long ago, Poland was seen as the most successful example of democratic transformation in Central and Eastern Europe, a leader in European integration. It was enjoying, as the longtime European commissioner Gunther Verhugen wrote, a new golden age. Today, the country is again ahead of others. Only this time, it's in the vanguard of European disintegration and democratic dismantling. Poland possesses a traumatic, nervous sense of itself. The current government has tried to channel that anxiety, inveighing against migrants, Brussels, and liberals to create a fortress mentality. Despite occasional setbacks, such as the president's decision to veto a controversial media bill, it has succeeded. So what are they actually, they're saying that Poland was really democratic when it was doing exactly what the people in Brussels, the leaders of the European Union, the people who were not accountable (laughs) to the citizens of Poland, wanted them to do. So when Poland was suppressing the will of its own people and just going along with what a distant tyrant told them to do, that was democratic. But now that Poland is doing what its own people want them to do and doing what its own people elected them to do, now it's anti-democratic. Do you see the problem there? (laughs) Do you see... As I have said for quite a while, I actually wrote a book on this topic called Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. The left has just redefined democracy to mean not democracy. (laughs) They've completely switched the meaning of democracy. How does this make any sense? How do they get away with it? Uh, Adrian Vermeule, the Harvard law professor, one of the greatest Twitter accounts, has a great sub stack also with some other good good thinkers called the post-liberal order. Adrian Vermeule points out that If you just switch out the words democracy and liberalism, things start to make sense. What the left considers democracy is not when you follow the will of the people, but when you just go along with some elite liberal idea. This is why when the people elect Donald Trump, that's a threat to democracy. And it's why when the the people's will is thwarted, that is a vindication of democracy if it goes in the left wing 
direction. So what are we going to have? Which way are we going to, what Poland has done is become much more conservative and said no to the distant liberal elites in Brussels and has said yes to its own culture and its own history and its own religion. It's become significantly more Christian. Don't forget, Poland played a big role in the fall of the Soviet empire. Poland, when the the polls came out, when St. John Paul II walked up and they chanted, we want God, we want God. They, what, which way are we going to go? Are we going to go in the direction of elite liberal rule or are we going to channel the legitimate frustrations of the people who no longer have confidence in their own ruling class, which seems increasingly to despise them and consider them deplorable and irredeemable? Which side are we going to take? Liz Cheney's right that we need to make a choice. She's wrong about what that choice is and she's on the wrong side of it, but we will need to make that choice. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Democrats obsess over January 6th in order to promote changing all the election rules. Plus, Patton Oswalt throws Dave Chappelle under the bus. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Listen. 